Welcome to News Munchies with Ted Corliss. I'm Ted Corliss, coming to you from our studio in Tampa, Florida. When we're not recording in Tampa, Florida, you'll find us recording in Boulder, Colorado, where, trust me, there are plenty of opportunities to research and develop new cannabis products. A few topics coming your way this morning. I want to address some of the issues associated with a new product that appears now in more than or almost 40 states, uh, you can purchase a new product called Delta 8. And I think it's important for a lot of people to understand what this new product is so that they can make informed decisions about whether they want or should not uh, consume it. So let's begin with some very basic botany, if we can. Today, we're going to talk about the issue of a hemp plant versus a traditional cannabis plant. Now, truthfully, Hemp is cannabis, but in the marketplace that has been created by the patchwork of details associated with the many states that have legalized cannabis, either for medical reasons that require some form of doctor's opinion, or for many states, including Colorado, not Florida, you can purchase cannabis without a license for recreational purposes. For many people, the use of various uh, oils or concentrates or even flowers, the, the cannabis plant flowers, provides them some degree of relief from some kind of pain or disorder associated with uh, neurological conditions or inflammation. That's where we seem to see a lot of the cannabinoid research going. But to quote uh, one of my favorite, favorite comedians, Louis Black, you have to be careful with CBD because many times the B in CBD stands for bullshit. And so what I'd really want to do right now is address the issue of a cannabinoid that is being extracted not from a traditional cannabis plant, but from a hemp plant. All right, so let's begin with the idea that there are really three species, if you will, of cannabis plants. We have a traditional uh, the most common being cannabis sativa uh, that really uh, was evolving in the Southern California, Northern Mexico area of the United States. Uh, you know, that the area where you find well-drained soils at a particular altitude. Uh, cannabis plants can be uh, very uh, rugged and they can handle a very rugged environment. In fact, they know that plants that are grown outside uh, have a defense mechanism that requires them to become even more robust as they have access issues with water or sun. But when we start growing cannabis plants inside, all of the energy that our plant took to develop those defense mechanisms are then focused back into the plant to develop more and more cannabinoids. Well, how many cannabinoids are there in a hemp plant? Well, first of all, they legalized hemp production in 2018. Interestingly, that the usual predominantly Republican adversity to cannabis went away when they started to discover all of the commercial applications for CBD. Uh, and CBD is only one of more than 100 cannabinoids that have been discovered in a traditional cannabis plant. 
But along the way, they decided that if they could produce a non-euphoric, meaning you don't get high, version of hemp plants, that would permit producers, growers, to use that hemp oil for various purposes, up to and including uh, a piece we did a few years ago where the manufacturer of uh, children's toys, rather than using oil from petroleum, they started using oils from hemp. And that's why you even see discussion that Legos, everybody knows Legos, everyone's found that Lego on the floor as you're walking through the living room in a dark room and you step on it, or you, you know, your child is told they're going to become an engineer because they have a box of Legos. Uh, but what's interesting here is that when the negotiations were being undertaken that people could grow hemp plants for various commercial purposes, they put boundaries on how much of traditional THC can be available in those plants. Now, for those of you who are cannabis consumers, flower consumers specifically, you will go to various dispensaries in the United States or in other countries, and you will find a percentage of both THC as well as CBD. Now, for those of us who've been in, the, in this cannabis conversation for more than a decade, me included, the interesting thing to understand is that the marketability of a particular plant will be driven by how concentrated the THC or other cannabinoids are in the plant. But in hemp plants, in order to be legal, the plant itself must have no more than 0.3%. That's 0.3% by weight in the plant. And the reason for that is that it would mean if you wanted some kind of euphoric reaction to consuming it in any form, you would have to consume literally ounces or maybe even pounds of it before you could accomplish that goal. And so what we have is large amounts of hemp being produced in the United States with less than 0.3%. And so here we are tooling along two or three years after hemp was legalized, and suddenly there is a mountain, there are mountains, plural, of hemp plants being produced and their derivatives are derived. Along the way, they discovered that there were actually cannabinoids in the hemp plant that were in and of themselves uh, beneficial for some reasons. I'll be talking about that in a minute, what people have it for. But what really happened was that because of the quantity of plants that were being grown and synthesized, you start seeing otherwise rare cannabinoids coming up in concentrations that can be extracted. Let's take a moment to see if we can reduce the uh, re reduce the abstraction here. And so let, let's imagine three cannabis plants, except they're not really cannabis plants. Let's refer to them as gumball machines. So we have three gumball machines. You know, as a kid, I used to go down and get my $5 haircut. And at the end of my haircut, the man would hand me two pennies. And I would go over to the gumball machine and I would draw out my gumball. Now, I usually liked green gumballs. That was kind of my favorite. Uh, and I didn't think much of the white ones because they had kind of a medicinal taste to them. But the idea here being that every cannabis plant has a certain number of gumballs in it. But those gumballs are going to be split between the more than 100 or so 
cannabinoids that may be present in a plant like that. And what that means is you might get, in a, say, a thousand gumballs, you might get two pink gumballs. So let's think about those as the delta eight. And so if I were to be like King Kong and eat the whole thing of gumballs, I'm probably not going to notice that there are those two pink gumballs in there because they're essentially absorbed into the rest of the plant. But what if we generate more and more plants and every time we find a couple of pink gumballs, we reach in, and we can do this now chemically, we can reach in and move those pink gumballs over to a pile over here or put them in a container over here. And we just keep doing that. We keep generating tons and tons of hemp that's being used for paper, it's being used for concrete, it's being used for oils that are substituting for petroleum, but they don't have all of the negative side effects associated with petroleum. Now you have this quantity of pink gumballs. Now we're gonna call those pink gumballs Delta-8. Now, have we ever heard of Delta-8 before? Well, you've probably heard of Delta-9, which is Delta-9 tetrahydrocannabinol, or commonly referred to as THC. That's the THC that people consume specifically to get some form of euphoric reaction or other kind of physical response to it. Now, remember that cannabis is a Schedule One drug under the uh, DEA guidelines. You cannot manufacture it under federal law. Even to this day, the dozens of states that have somewhat legal cannabis, you cannot manufacture or extract THC and you cannot ship it in the mail because it's an illegal drug. Now in this situation, Delta-8, not Delta-9, which is what we commonly know as THC, Delta-8 can be moved around through the mails because there is no specific DEA guideline addressing the scheduling of Delta-8 means it's, it's legal and can be mailed. That's a big deal for those individuals that are in the cannabis market. How are you to produce a successful business plan on a consumer product if you're not allowed to mail it? And obviously the other benefit being obviously that if you are able to establish a network of individuals that wanna buy your mail-in plants, you don't necessarily have to be in one state versus the other. Now. Delta-8 is not illegal under the DEA guidelines because the DEA guidelines, the closest you can get to making it illegal is a suggestion that any synthetically formed cannabinoid from the plant is equally as legal, illegal as Delta-9. But here, it's not a synthetic product. It's just really damn rare. But it's not so rare if you notice that there are uh, CBD growers and manufacturers popping up uh, all over the world. There's, there's just, it's, it's showing up in everything from topicals that you can put on your skin to treats that you can give to your dog or to tinctures that you can use to reduce inflammation in the body. And so here we have Delta-8. Now, why do we like Delta-8 so much? Well, one of the things that we like about Delta-8 is that of all of the cannabinoids, it, it turns out that if you consume Delta-8 by itself in high enough concentrations, it is considered one of the most sedating 
sleepy of the cannabinoids. Many people who are consuming cannabis for non-recreational purposes like Delta-8 because it provides them an opportunity to get to a state of rest faster. And they use it in a, usually in a vape product. And the reason for that is, is that it doesn't really work in an herbal product, the plant kind of material. And that's going to be relevant when I talk to you in a minute about how to find it and how to consume it. But for the most part, if you're consuming a plant, you're back to my gumballs. You're back to the gumball machine that only has two pink gumballs in it. And it's very questionable as to whether or not there are any Delta-8 plants currently on the market, either in, you know, especially if we look at even the real, you know, the, the really big producers of either traditional cannabis or hemp, you know, looking at states that have been in the business for a while, like California, Colorado, Washington State, you're not seeing uh, any heavy move to regulate Delta-8 because they, they are more focused on moving the ball towards federally legal cannabis. But when we take a look at Delta-8, you where do you find it? If you're interested in consuming it and trying it to deal with pain or with insomnia, for example, do you just, where do you find it? Well, most of the dispensaries that are in the business of selling these products, most of them are heavily regulated under state authorities. Now, of the United States, 39 of the states allow Delta-8 legally. And the, but the problem is legality, as we've come to understand about cannabis, can be somewhat irrelevant. And what I mean by that is that Obviously, right now, cannabis is illegal. It's still illegal. And it's, it's not just illegal under the Controlled Substances Act. It's illegal under uh, domestic and foreign trade agreements. You can't move it back and forth across state lines. You can't export it to foreign countries because of various treaties that the United States has signed on to decades ago. And so products like Delta-8 become very interesting to people in the marketplace because it is a not a loophole as much as it's just a hole in the Controlled Substances Act that allows these kinds of cannabinoids to be moved around. So technically, it's legal under state, it's legal under federal law, Delta-8 is, and it's also legal in 39 states. All right, so if you're an individual who treats uh, various problems like sleep, or I would say uh, recently I had a, a colleague whose wife had hip replacement and we were able to get her some very uh, pain relieving cannabis flowers here in Florida that she could use and she reported that it was much better, especially in the first couple of days of her surgery, to be relying upon cannabinoids and cannabis products as opposed to taking uh, lots of opioids that have side effects including, you know, obviously very uh, sedating and, and makes you very tired, very fast. Uh, but also it's an opportunity, you know, for taking opioids to overdose because they are so dangerous. And then in addition to that, the idea that uh, they causes all kinds of gastric distress. So people who suffer from chronic pain are more and more of them are finding their way to cannabis and Delta-8 starting to pop up as one that would be sufficiently sedating for you. And so the, the Delta-8 product will be sold to you by a tincture, 
which is a small bottle with an eyedropper on it, and you'll put it underneath your tongue a certain number of times a day. The second way that you can consume it is through a concentrate. Uh, and as I mentioned, what, where it's not really going to be effective for you is in the issue of consuming the flowers themselves. And so just as a little bit of a uh, retreat, a little bit of a, an exploration, I visited some of the cannabis dispensaries here in Colorado, I'm sorry, here in Florida. I sometimes forget where I am. We're here in Florida and I found various forms of Delta-8. I did find the plant version and to which I asked the bud tender, tell me what concentration is there of Delta-8 in these flowers? Because whenever you buy traditional flowers uh, for either cannabis sativa or cannabis indica, that you will be able to know what percentage the primary cannabinoids are. Those would always be THC and CBD. Originally, you know, five, eight years ago, it was difficult to find a high concentration CBD plant. You would see them in the 0.0, like the 0.8%, never more than 1%. It was very rare. But now, uh, through, you know, a lot of heavy marketing by certain companies, like you've probably heard of Charlotte's Web, which is a CBD brand with a high uh, concentration of it in the flowers. So here, where you know, you, when you buy flowers and you're looking for Delta-8, you should be asking what the concentration is. Now listen very carefully to the answers that you get because they can be very misleading. Despite the fact that 39 states legally permit the sale of De Delta-8, it is completely unregulated. And that means that I can tell you that this particular glass is full of some form of concentrate. And I can tell you in my glass, there is a quantity of Delta-8. But that you'll notice, even if I tell you that I have, say, a thousand milligrams in my glass, and I tell you that it contains Delta-8, I didn't tell you what percentage of the, of the liquid has Delta-8 in it. Meaning that it, w it is very possible for a retailer without any kind of instruction from a licensing authority, it is very likely that a retailer could misrepresent to you that this has a strong or high concentration of Delta-8 unless they actually know and have tested to see what's in it. Now they know that some of the hemp plants that they're growing, which they can grow and sell legally with, you know, most of the time you just need a wholesaler's license, which is an, a, a half day of paperwork in the state of Florida. But here we're talking about uh, something where you're, you're kind of shooting in the dark because you can buy a concentrate in a vape pen, for example, that says that it has 500 milligrams, but read carefully, it doesn't say it has 500 milligrams of Delta-8, just like you would see in a flower uh, container that has traditional cannabis in it, uh, that that will tell you not only what the weight of the plant is or the volume of that, but it will also tell you what the concentration is in that particular syringe or in that particular vape pen. That's the difference between Delta-8 and Delta-9 and the other cannabinoids. When you're buying and selling Delta-9, you will always have the opportunity, or you should anyway, 
to know what the concentration is of CBD as well as THC. Many times there'll be no CBD and it. it'll just be heavy THC as well as other cannabinoids that are found naturally. Um, and so I, I really, one of the motivations for me to share this uh, idea about exploring Delta-8 is not just to tell listeners that I think there is some value in this if you are going through pain or sleep disturbances, but also that you can make informed decisions about what you're consuming. Uh, you know, if you're going to buy any kind of CBD or other cannabinoid infused oil, my strong recommendation to you is to look for a reputable retailer who is under some kind of regulatory control. control. Because if you just want to go into a head shop that sells glass, you'll find that most of the current uh, head shops will be selling Delta-8. And, but when you start asking questions about what you're really buying, you're not going to get real accurate information. And I, I speak to that issue with my own personal experience over these last couple of weeks. I don't believe that many of the bud tenders that we're encountering now and even very well uh, run, very well, very successful dispensaries are necessarily uh, up on what is up with Delta-8. And so I think you're going to see that at some point in the future, I don't think it will be in the, in the immediate future, that Delta-8 and some of the other cannabinoids are going to be put on the table to be examined. Uh, and they're, they're going to have to deal with this issue of the ske drug schedule that says that synthetic forms of cannabis are equally illegal. You know, you've seen this, this garbage that they sell in head shops that people consume uh, that has, you know, like uh, salvia devorum uh, and th these you know, it's so-called synthetic pot, as people call it. Stay away from that garbage. But if you want to, you want to explore this particular Delta Eight, any Delta Eight product, you need to understand uh, who manufactured it, what their requirements are. Um, you know, are they using solvents? What? But right now, uh, there is such a roadblock in the the legislation of new cannabis rules and regulations on the federal government that things like Delta A are kind of hanging in the wings until there's really an honest conversation in this country about what we are doing and what our plan is for the future of cannabis and uh, people in the United States who consume it. This is not a Delta 8 is not a, a one-off. There are other cannabinoids that are getting attention. Just briefly, the other one I would mention is CBN, uh, and that's cannabin cannabinol. Cannabinol is CBN. And the thing you should know about that is that cannabinol does not actually exist in nature. Uh, the idea is that they take a THC molecule, they expose it to certain electrochemical changes, and it creates uh, a new uh, cannab cannabinoid that doesn't actually exist in nature. There's also other cannabinoids, uh, many names, some not, uh, CBG, uh, CBH. All of these different cannabinoids are created 
by the dynamic nature of the plant and equally the dynamic nature of the marketplace. Having visited cannabis dispensaries all over the United States um, and even spending some time in Holland, I can tell you that there is no more dynamic enterprise than the cannabis industry right now because the amount of money, the, the, the young age of the marketplace, and the continued effort to legalize this opens up opportunities to explore some interesting ideas. But to understand cannabinoids even better is to understand that they react with each other, meaning the cannabinoid, if there's 112 cannabinoids, there might be more, that one or two of those may actually be interacting to create a third that would not in and of itself ever appear in a plant. And so as we, as we continue to explore this beloved plant, when we continue to create literally tons of it, like what has happened with hemp, we're going to continue to see opportunities for the exploration of new applications of cannabis, both uh, chemically or uh, functionally. Uh, meaning the different uses for it as medicine, but also different forms of it for use as uh, for construction or for nutritional supplements, uh, things like that. And so, so today was, a, was an interesting day in organic chemistry, and I hope it answered some of the questions that you have about uh, this particular product, this particular derivative, Delta-8. But I also hope that it's provided you an understanding as to how uh, the legalization right now, this very simple rule that says that hemp can't be more than 0.3%, in and of itself created an opportunity for new applications that maybe had not been expected. But at the same time, knowledge and uh, opportunity creates responsibility. And so that if we are going to permit products like this to be sold, it would be wise for the industry to get together and come up with some rules to regulate it. And that, of course, would mean that the federal government's going to be interested in what we're all up to. And so we're going to continue to report to you on things like this. We, we have a very positive cannabis message, very forward-thinking message about cannabis, and we've been here for a long time, and a lot of people are coming along with us. And so make sure to check out our website for more information about these kinds of products and share your ideas with us. Again, welcome to News Munchies, and I'm Ted Corliss. Be well. <music>